0: interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming.
1: Alright, time's up. Let's do this. Leroy Jenkins! I kind of masquered that, didn't I? Hey, it's Coolio, if you don't know, and welcome to another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. You're home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. It is the weekend, guys. We're there. We've made it another week. Can you believe it? I sure can't. Well, maybe I can I don't know. It's... My opinion varies on these things. Sometimes I can believe it, and sometimes... Yeah, he's just kind of trailing along. But anyway, dear listeners, we are here to enjoy ourselves, kick back and relax, and let's see what is new over at Low Bias Gaming. There's some pretty good stuff going on, such as, for instance, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, two new episodes of uh, Final Fantasy VII uh, from Jason. Jason also brings us a new Let's Play of Metal Gear for the Nintendo Entertainment System Um, new Let's Play from uh, Jade Farrow as well uh, for the Low Bias Monthly September 2018 which he selected which was um, Games That Break the Fourth Wall and he went with the Stanley Parable and that's really kind of an interesting choice Um, I have watched the entire uh, series through and it's it is a, an interesting choice of narrative to that game anyway. Uh, go check it out. I'm sure you'll like it. Uh, Jason also brings us two new episodes of Little King's Story for the very same monthly. And apparently Scarlett's taking a little bit of a break this week. But for as much as he contributes to uh, to um, our Let's Plays here, I think he's kind of deserved it. <laughs> He posts at least, you know, six to ten episodes a week. Let's give him a week off, shall we? A uh, new soundtrack for Gradius also available on the site. And, uh, yeah, that is what is going on over there. What is going on over here, he ask? Well, over here we're going to play us some music. And we're going to um, take a deeper dive into what lies within the Low Bias Gaming Archives. That is coming up right next here. Uh, On Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That was Peg Mode with Head Sock, and you're listening to uh, Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and let's go take a look in the archives. (music) Control the actions of the daring adventurer, finding your way through the castle of a dark wizard who has enchanted it with treacherous uh, monsters and obstacles. In the mysterious caverns below the castle, your odyssey continues against the awesome forces that oppose your efforts to reach the Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair is a fully animated classic arcade game from legendary animator Don Bluth. You'll make your way through the castle and caverns below and wield your sword against some strange creatures. Beware of your foes as they are numerous. So, Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair is a fully animated. Well, you've already heard that. Specifically, this one is for the Sega CD. It was also released on several other platforms. Uh, this one was developed and published by Rightsoft and released in 1994. Kind of an interesting game in that uh, all of the um, action in this is already animated. You're basically playing through the cutscenes more or less. Um, in what is often referred to as a quick time action game but um, it's it's kind of I wouldn't call it unique there are a few games that have done this but it does have a certain flair and especially since it was animated by Don Bluth he's a pretty good artist let me tell you but um, yeah we have a video of that game by Ragnats uh, for the low bias monthly for January was it twenty? 2016. Why is it listed as 2015 on here? Anyway, 2016 games released on the year you were born. Um, Ragnats played that for us. And it is worth a look over at lowbiasgaming.net. Check it out. The Labyrinth of Skatey from Blitz Lunar from his album Blips Lunar. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And it is time, of course, for the news of the weird, as we usually do. Uh, as previously, blah. As previously mentioned, I am looking for uh, something similar to but not exactly news of the weird. Uh, in kind of the same digest format just so i can be doing reading something a little different than what uh jason is reading for us over at electric leftovers so if you have any suggestions uh it's at square sim s-y-m on twitter is where you can most easily reach me. I do not read these stories ahead of time, and some of these might not jive well with all audiences. This segment is about 12 to 14 minutes long, so take that as you will. Our lead story for today's Smooth Reaction. A naked man, well, exactly what I was mentioning there, a naked man opened the door to firefighters responding to a house fire in Niceville, Florida on August 27th and said, I'm sorry, before closing the door in their faces. Clearly he was a, clearly he was a snowbird. Uh, no. Uh, James Cunningham 53 later admitted to police he'd had two liters of vodka and had smoked marijuana before trying to bake cookies on his George Foreman grill, reported WPLG Local 10. The experiment went wrong when the grill and cookies caught fire, so he covered them with a dry towel, which also caught fire. Firefighters said that if he'd been in the house any longer, he could have died from smoke inhalation. Interesting series of events to happen there. Let's get drunk and bake cookies on George Foreman's grill. Anyway. Anger management is the title for our next story. Oh boy. Uh... De, DJUAN, Dewan, I guess? Dewan Lewis, that's what I pronounce it as. Uh, 23, landed a new job at Benada Aluminum Products in Sanford, Florida. Oh my goodness, Florida. Two and two, and two here. Uh, on August 30th, a Thursday. On Sunday morning, his boss fired him. On Sunday morning? Really? WFTV reported that following his dismissal, Lewis waited for his boss for two hours outside the business, then chased him and his girlfriend for a mile and a half, shooting at their car and hitting the rear bumper, truck, and right rear tire. Neither the supervisor nor his girlfriend was hurt. Sanford police excuse me arrested Lewis and and changed him. I assume that is meant to say charged him with attempted murder. Okay, that would explain why he was fired on Sunday morning. Um, Okay, this next one, I promise you, is not in Florida. Somewhere else. Just because I'm scanning ahead here and it says Ohio. Questionable judgment. School resource officer and part-time police officer Marissa Boskowski, 32, was called into a classroom at Liberty Preparatory School in Smithville, Florida... (laughs) No, Smithville, Ohio, on August 30th to help rouse a sleeping student who could not be awakened by the teacher or even the principal. Stands to reason that it doesn't really matter who is trying to wake them. They would have the same result. When Boskowski arrived, the Washington Post reported... Her solution was to unholster her taser, remove the firing cartridge, and pull the trigger, causing an electric buzz that woke the student and shocked the school community. Smithville Police Chief Howard, my cursor's in the way. Funk uh, placed Boskowski on unpaid leave and told W E W S News Station Boskowski has been disciplined a month had been disciplined a month earlier, also for a taser-related incident. An investigation was ongoing. We could go for the obvious meme here, but let's take the high road and move on to the next story. With the child of, oops, New Jersey resident Gregory Lazerchik, fifty-six, made a bad day worse on July twenty-first when he told readers at Disney's Saratoga Springs Resort in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. He'd been sent by Al-Qaeda to blow the place up. Hmm. Okay. According to the the Orlando Sentinel, the greeters told Orange County deputies Lazarczyk complained of having a bad day before issuing his threat, but deputies found no bomb-making materials in Lazarczyk's hotel room. The man's sister reported he had suffered a head injury several years ago and sometimes said inappropriate things. The remorseful Lazarczyk posted Bond after his arrest for a false report of a bombing. Okay. Um, yes, let's just move right along to the next story, which has a title of you At Kirby High School in Memphis, Tennessee, which by the way sucks, uh, Kirby sucks. Never mind. It's a terrible joke. Let's move on. Uh, over there, things are quiet as a mouse or a rat. Shelby County Schools Superintendent Dorsey Hopson told the Memphis Commercial Appeal he's, been, he's looking for a temporary home for Kirby's 800 students after closing the school on September 5th due to a rat infestation. The problem started in mid-August when district personnel uncovered a rat's nest during a renovation project. Eighty rats were trapped at the school and poison was set out. When students returned after Labor Day, poison rats began dying within the school's walls and the stench became overwhelming. Calling the situation an unavoidable act of nature, Hobson said he expects students to return in early November. Wow, that's missing two months of school? That's kind of awful. Well, yeah, I guess they are looking looking for another place to do their school things. Let's hope they can find that because, oh my goodness, yeah, that that sounds entirely unpleasant for everyone involved. Especially the rats. Our next story is irony. Lona and Joseph Johnson of Bellingham, Washington survived the Las Vegas mass shooting last October and decided to get a dog to help with the trauma that haunted them after the incident. We heard that dogs are good pets to help with the healing and PTSD and got Jax, Joseph told the Bellingham, Washington Herald. But on September 2nd, neighbor Odin Maxwell, 49, shot and killed Jax, telling police the dog was chasing his chickens. An investigation showed no chickens were harmed, and Maxwell was cited for discharging a firearm. <laughs> yeah, that's. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> nothing else to say about that. Family values. So a lot of these stories are just like. Today, they're just like. Huh. Hmm. Family Values, ladies and gentlemen. Patricia Ann Hill, 69, of Whitehall, Arkansas, called 911 on July 28th to report she had shot her husband. Huh. Frank, 65. But she had a motive. Patricia Patricia told Jefferson County Sheriff's investigators she had previously disagreed with her husband's purchase of a pornography channel on Dish Network, and she canceled the channel, telling Frank that if he reordered it, if he reordered it, he would have to leave. That day, reported the Pine Bluff Commercial, the dish bill arrived, revealing that the channel had been re-added. So Patricia confronted Frank in his quote man cave, and told him to go. When he refused, Patricia ch- uh, fetched a 22-caliber pistol from the house and shot him twice, killing him. Hill was charged with capital murder and held without bond in the Jefferson County Adult Detention Center. Well, I um, mean, yeah. that, w- that definitely wasn't the right thing to do, but at least she was honest about it, I guess. But it's just porn, guys. It's really nothing, not that big of a deal. Uh, our next story, Bright Idea. It's one way to get a ride to lunch. Knox County, Kentucky Sheriff's deputies reported as responded on October... My goodness. On, on August 24th, to a home in Corbin where Kenneth Ray Couch, 35, had reportedly stolen a handgun. As they searched for Couch, they learned that he had been transported to the hospital in an ambulance after staging a heart attack at nearby Dixon's Market. When police arrived at Baptist Health Corbin, WYMT reported, They found Couch in the cafeteria, which had apparently been his goal all along. Huh? Couch was arrested and charged with first-degree burglary and falsely reporting an incident. He was aiming for the cafeteria at the hospital? That's... If I were to steal something, I would not be looking to that could possibly fit in with the um, least competent criminals, honestly. Speaking of which, Taheem M. McKay, 23, of Riverhead, New York, made it easy for Suffolk County officials to track him down after suspecting him of breaking into 10 different homes over the course of seven months, stealing cash, jewelry, and designer accessories, and possibly a handgun. (laughs) Then again, probably not. According to Newsday, the Suffolk County Department of Probation traced McKay to the burglary locations through his GPS ankle monitor, which he was wearing as a result of a February 2017 second-degree reckless endangerment conviction. McKay has additional pending indictments in other bur- burglaries. That is... Yeah, would count that as least confident. You're wearing an... You're wearing a GPS monitor. Why are you going into other people's homes? Again, it's not right what you're doing in the first place, but use your brain for like two seconds. Seriously. The passing parade, ladies and gentlemen. Oh boy, there's a name in here that I actually kind of know. Uh, well, know of at least, known for his blonde mullet and numerous social media rants, zoo owner Joe Exotic, real name Joseph Maldonado Passage of Winnewood, Oklahoma, has been cooling his heels in a Florida jail since his arrest September 7th for allegedly attempting to hire two people in late 2017 to kill an unnamed woman. Well, there are a lot of unnamed women, so, you know, pick one, I guess. No, that's terrible. Shut up. According to the Orlando Sentinel, one of those, quote, killers, was an undercover FBI agent, and Exotic was indicted on federal murder for higher charges. It all started many, many years ago, said Carol Baskin of Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, who claims to be the unnamed woman Exotic was hoping to off. She said Exotic had threatened her repeatedly and posted online a video of himself shooting an effigy of Baskin in the head. Tangentially, Exotic was also a candidate in a three-way libertarian primary run for governor in Oklahoma this summer. He finished third. Yes, I actually remember that. (laughs) I was, um, he actually showed up on, uh, last week tonight... Um, at one point with John Oliver. Well, his campaign video did. I mean, considering that John McAfee was running, uh, as Libertarian, I think I would rather have John McAfee than this guy. Um, yeah. And that's saying something because I don't want John McAfee in the office over Trump though? I don't know. This is getting into political discourse. Let's just move on to the weather, shall we? And there is actually a special weather statement in effect for Halifax Mentor and Halifax County West. Windy and rainy start to the first day of fall. An intense early fall storm will cross central Quebec into Labrador on Saturday, bringing rain and strong uh, and strong south-to-southwesterly winds to Nova Scotia beginning overnight tonight into Saturday morning. At this time, winds are expected to remain below warning criteria for most of the province, but gusts may reach 70-80 to km per hour, Especially along parts of the coast, a wind warning is in effect for the Tantramar marsh area, whereas southwesterly winds are expected to gust up to ninety kilometers an hour overnight into early sunday morning so yeah, uh, it's going to be kind of a messy start to um the to this fall apparently um fall of course beginning tomorrow, Friday, uh, S- saturday september twenty second but um, that's one step ahead. Let's look at today's current weather. It is currently 15 degrees Celsius, getting a bit chilly during the day, isn't it? Um, it is currently also mostly cloudy and looking at a 30 percent chance of showers uh, tonight with temperatures maintaining around 15 degrees. Uh, Saturday, September is 22nd, as previously mentioned, showers and possibly lots of wind. Uh, with a high of 21 going down to a low of six degrees celsius and clear skies at night sunday september 23rd sunny skies and a high of 19 going down to a low of five and clear skies at night monday september 24th a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 14 going down to a low of four degrees and cloudy periods at night tuesday uh, september 25th A mix of sun and cloud and a high of 15 going down to a low of 11 degrees and 6% chance of showers at night. And that 6% chance of showers will persist over the next two days. Wednesday, September 26th, a high of 18 and a low of 15 degrees. And Thursday, September 27th, a high of 19 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And let's get some music going, shall we? A material fantasy by Galagox from the album Chiptunes Equals Win, Volume Seven, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, eighty eight point one FM, Halifax. And welcome back. To Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU, Radiate Point 1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And sometimes, sometimes it's gonna be a little geekier than most. This, this one might be a little, a little more technical than what I usually cover, but um, it is still kind of an interesting thing, and I felt like talking about it. So, Most games nowadays are either written in C++, or some variant thereof, and uh, even made in game engines such as Unreal Engine, Unity, Godot, Construct, and other such things. It used to be, however, that it was a little harder than that to make video and computer games or just any sort of software. A long time ago, when the modern microcomputer became a thing, software had to be written directly in machine code, which is basically having to manually write in all the bits and bytes the program needs to run and do the things it needs to do. This as you can imagine is a pain in the neck and is prone to error, and is really hard to manage. On top of that, the machine code can wildly vary from system to system, so just as you can't run Mac software on a Windows computer, code written for, say, the Nintendo 6502 processor won't even begin to work on a Commodore 64, much less on a PC's 8086 processor. To combat this to some degree, assembler code, aka assembly, was created. This is more or less a direct analog to machine code except in a more human readable format. You'd still need uh, need different code for different processors, but at least more of the verbiage would be the same between platforms. For quite some time after that, a lot of games and other software were written in assembly. This also held true for systems that had a built-in BASIC interpreter. BASIC, by the way, is another programming language which consists of much simpler and more English commands to make programming easier. The problem, however, lies in the fact that this is what's called an interpreted language. What does this mean? When you write a program in most languages, such as Assembly or C or what have you, it needs to be converted into machine code using a compiler. Basic is a little different in that the code is read as is and the interpreter will perform actions based on the code that was written. Sounds a lot easier than writing an assembly, which consists of tiny code words where simple operations might take multiple commands, and it is, except that because it's an interpreted language and thus doesn't get compiled, programs run a lot slower than if they were uh, being written in assembly and compiled. Later on, with PCs came the C language, which isn't quite as simple as BASIC, but it's easier to get things done done in than assembly. Uh, And a large portion of PC software since then has been written in C, C C-sharp, C++, or sometimes other languages such as Pascal. However, there's still a lot of overhead when C code is used, leading to some programs written in it not necessarily running optimally. As a result, some developers chose to keep writing software in games and games in assembly. Mostly in DOS, but as you'll see, not always. Now here are a few programs of game a few examples rather of games that were written in assembly. The first one I'll cover is one of the most solid pinball games I know of even to this day. Epic Pinball was developed by James Schmaltz, published by Epic Mega Games as they were known at the time, and released in November of 1993. This was a collection of pinball tables each with different themes. The game followed the shareware model of offering some unrestricted free content, in this case the tale Android which had as a goal to construct an Android and bring it to life, while offering more content for a registration fee. In an interview between Epic lead Tim Sweeney and Benj Edwards of Gamasutra, Sweeney recounts the events that led to the development of the game which ended up being Epic's all-time shareware bestseller. Uh, and I quote, These developers in Finland future crew, we've been trying to recruit them for a long time as shower developers. They did a bunch of early 3D demos. It was incredibly brilliant, impressive stuff. I thought they were the smartest guys in the world at that time. So Mark Ryan went out to Finland to to try to recruit them, but they weren't interested. I guess they had some other uh, projects uh, going out at that time. But what he did bring back was this pinball game they'd been developing. It wasn't finished, but it was a vertically scrolling pinball game with realistic physics. We were begging and pleading with them to finish the game so we could release it and put it out as shareware, but they just didn't have the resources to take that on. So he showed the, prog- uh, the game to James uh, James Schmalz, who'd done solar Winds. He was this guy up in Canada. That's why we moved to Canada for a year with Unreal. This brilliant guy, he programmed 100% assembly language and does all his art for his projects. So brilliant art- artist programmer, jack of all trades, which is really uncommon in the industry at that level of competitiveness. James saw the pinball demo and said, oh, yeah, I can build a game like that. So, from scratch, he built a vertically scrolling pinball game, designed six pinball tables for it, and all that. He did, wh- he, did, uh, he did that while he was in college. I think he spent 9 months on it total. The total development time took about 10 months, and a couple of additional tables were designed for the final project, leading to a solid, delightful, and diverse pinball experience which was without a doubt the best of its kind for a long time. The next game is Roller Coaster Tycoon. This game was developed by Chris Sawyer, published by Hasbro Interactive, and released in North America on March 31st, 1999. The premise is simple: you are the roller coaster tycoon, and the goal is to create successful amusement parks. The base game was shipped with the base game was shipped with 21 scenarios. Excuse me for a second. There we go, after which the freeform Mega Park was unlocked with the sole objective of Have Fun! This game falls into a unique category. It was developed in assembly, except for a tiny bit of interface code in C, for Windows, runs in DirectX 7, and was made by a single person except for the music and sound. As a result, it will run on a huge variety of computers, even machines which were very outdated for the time. The main issue with using C over assembly is that it adds a lot of code which may ultimately be unnecessary for the program to run. As a result, the program will end up taking more memory and potentially running slower for trying to do the exact same thing. The fact that this game is written in assembly makes for a much smoother experience running the the game on any computer, whether the goal is to play it on a computer that barely runs Windows 98, or even going up to more recent computers. Really the biggest problem in in running it nowadays is that DirectX's compatibility layers for older versions can result in it glitching out a little bit. Still on some computers they'll run perfectly fine with no additional effort and in other cases it's easy enough to fix which with an online search or two. For the amount of content included and the overall solidity of the game, it's definitely worth a play for any simulation enthusiasts. The last game I want to talk about is Planet X3. This is a real-time strategy game for MS-DOS developed by David Murray. Well, I say developed, but in fact it's currently in development. Planet X3 will likely follow the story of Planet X2, which was created for the Commodore 64 and released on November 13, 2017, where the titular planet was discovered by both humans and a hostile alien race known as the Protoids. As with most RTS games, it's kill or be killed in this battle for survival. On his YouTube channel, The 8-Bit Guy, Murray has posted some videos outlining his progress in the game's development. Where the game was originally targeted at 4-color CGA computers, it's also uh, since been expanded to 16-color CGA composite mode, as well as 256-color VGA mode, and will support single-voice PC speaker sound, the little beeper that used to come standard with PCs, 3-voice Tandy sound, and digitized sound and music with Adlib cards. In fact, his latest update video demonstrates the same music track playing in all three sound formats and, well, I have to say, that's some of the best PC speaker music I've ever heard. Now, Despite not being a big fan of RTS games, I'm still excited to follow the development of this game and to see where this goes. Assembly programming is practically an art for an English, assembly programming is practically an art form and can have amazing results in the right hands. I'm left to wonder what such developers will end up assembling in the future. Just kind of, I, I guess, side thoughts after um, after that little reading of mine. Um, because honestly, I, I have kind of looked into assembly, I've never actually tried to make anything in it, but if you just and just look at what people are doing like a lot of the demo scene stuff is Done with uh, largely with assembly not always with assembly. I've seen some demo scene stuff even written in uh, quick basic, which is pretty uh, impressive Mm. But um, the, basically the thing is with assembly, you're able to have complete uh, fine control over everything. So it can be a dangerous language. You can kind of temporarily mess up your computer uh, if you do the wrong things, but um, given enough time, and enough learning, enough experience, and you know trial and error, all that nice stuff, the possibilities are pretty much endless. I would honestly love to see someone create a, um, a Windows game. like Whether it's 2D or even 3D, I would be especially impressed if someone came out with a 3D Windows game or even just a demo. Anyway, that's enough of that rambling. Um, how about this? Do any of you out there know of any um, any projects that might have been developed in assembly that might not have been mentioned here? And I'm not talking about the days where everything was made in assembly. I'm, I'm talking, like, 2000 onward. Tell me tell me if you know anything 2000 onward that was made in assembly. You can post about it on um, on the uh, Twitter. That's at Squaresim, S-Y-M. Let me know. And, uh, yeah, that is what I have to say about that. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And uh, time for one more tune before we go for today. That was Melancholic Happiness by Will Rock. Um, Not much melancholic about that song. It's pretty happy, I must say. Well, maybe at the end, anyway. Before I wrap up for today, I'm going to let you know that... uh, I forgot to let you know last week. um, But I will let you know this week that the podcast version of the show is available now at lowbiasgamingnet slash square sim. You can also search uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. They're all available there. Um, For whatever podcast um, doohickey that you like to use, um, you're probably going to be able to find it through their search function. So, Um, Yeah, so check that out. Uh, Currently four episodes available there. Uh, Episodes are coming out on Sundays and Thursdays until the series is caught up Um, and we're doing, you know, I'm doing the episode on Friday and it's going up Sunday type of thing. Anyway. That is all for today, time to round things out as we always do. So Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Madame Namiki, Noriaki Kamikura, Simon Whittington, Gygandect, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU followed by The Witching Hour at 7pm and the Nighttime Podcast at 10.30. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes tunes featured on the show, email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at Squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time.